12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham. Time to catch up with ABC News journalist Jason Dacey all the way out in Brisbane to get the latest headlines from down under. Time for our Australia report. Jason, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm all right. Good to speak to you, Adrian, and happy lunchtime to all your listeners on my old radio station, Money FM. And we start with sad news. I know the uh, event which I'm going to talk about happened on the 4th of March, but it's still relevant today. Uh, Shane Warne. Now, both of us know Shane Warne. We grew up watching him. He was a legendary leg spinner, represented Australia, multiple franchise teams around the world, suspected a heart attack while he was out in Thailand. A very sad day, a sad time, month. So, like, I'm still processing the information. I remember I was out on a Friday night and my mom texted me saying that Shane Warne is no more. And I had to go through Twitter and multiple reports to, you know, confirm that he had actually passed. But how did you react to this news? Well, it's always shocking, Adrian, when someone younger than you dies and dies suddenly of a heart attack. Shane Warne was a legendary cricket player from Australia. Pretty much he's the David Beckham of cricket. I think that's probably the best way to kind of describe him. But in a bad boy sense, I think Beckham's better behaved than Shane Warne was. He was known for, you know, things outside cricket that weren't so good, including, you know, testing positive for a prohibited substance, uh, bringing the game into disrepute for a bookmaker controversy and other things as well. But aside from that, he had so much charisma. He was one of five wisdom cricketers of the century and just 52 years of age. He was actually at a health retreat in Koh Samui and he dropped dead of a heart attack on the 4th of March. A big shock to everyone across the country. We saw the funeral for the family last Sunday and next Wednesday, it's the 30th of March. It's actually a state memorial in the state of Victoria at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. There's going to be a massive uh, public remembrance of Shane Warne. And even here in Brisbane, where I am at the Gabba, which is the cricket ground in Brisbane, they're going to open that up so people can participate in this mass uh, mourning for a legendary Australian uh, cricket player who wasn't the perfect human being by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but one of five wisdom cricketers of the century. So that's how good he was. And, you know, someone that every Aussie knew and every Aussie has a memory of. So it's uh, very sad that Shane Warne has left us at the age of 52 and the remembrance uh, goes on right until the end of March. Yeah, he made people believe, you know, regardless of where you came from, your background and whatever else you were involved in, you could still play the game and be good at it. That's what uh, one of the biggest takeaways from, I guess, what we learned from Shane Warne. Also, state funeral, not many people get this. Premier Daniel Andrews, soon after Shane had passed, had announced this. What sort of reception are we expecting well, I think, you know, we're going to have a, a lot of people, you know, tuning in either at the stadium or virtually. That's the thing about the way the life is now with coronavirus. And we'll talk more about the pandemic here in Australia shortly. But celebrities, you know, Ed Sheeran, um, Coldplay lead singer, Chris Martin, Mick Jagger, all sorts of big names uh, from the world of entertainment uh, connecting with this memorial, whether it's virtually or in person. And, you know, I guess that's the thing with Australia and England. There is that connection with cricket. There's that massive rivalry with the Ashes that many Singaporeans would be aware of. And the sad thing is that Shane Warne had three adult children. He, you know, he was a flawed individual as as a man, I think. And, you know, he made a lot of mistakes and 
he admits that openly, but he was a fantastic father to his two daughters and, and one son. And I was doing some coverage for ABC News about the reaction of the children who just love their dad so much. And that's the saddest thing to me that, you know, we say goodbye to Shane Warne. And I guess the other thing I should mention too, Elizabeth Hurley, who we know from the, you know, all the, the Hollywood films, the Austin Power films, one of the most beautiful women in the world. That was a the fiance of uh, Shane Warne, not uh, obviously in recent times, but a few years ago. So that's the stature of this guy from a working class part of Melbourne. You had the mullet hairstyle, blonde hair. He was a smoker, a drinker, but he had this charisma that could attract someone like Elizabeth Hurley and all the other admirers that he had right around the world. Yeah, he was just different. He rolled in different circles. And as you rightly mentioned at the start of the conversation, he was the David Beckham of cricket. More sad news, Jason, at the age of 52, just like Shane, Victorian Senator Kimberly Kitching is no more. Tell us more about this. Yeah, again, another heart attack at the age of 52. We've seen a lot of heart attacks uh, for people who aren't that old. Kimberly Kitching was a Labour senator in the state of Victoria, and she died of a suspected heart attack around the same time as Shane Warne. She pulled over to the side of the road while driving her car, and we had a funeral for her at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Melbourne. Her husband was there, uh, Andrew Landeru. He gave a touching tribute to his wife at the service. But this has brought up a whole kind of can of worms within the Labour Party of Victoria and federally that Kimberly Kitching suffered from a lot of bullying and uh, personal attacks within the Labour Party, which is very, very disappointing. And, um, you know, the leader of the Labour Party, the ALP leader, who could be the next Prime Minister, Albanese, uh, who, of course, uh, is challenging Scott Morrison, is uh, is actually had to talk about the alleged bullying within the Labour Party. So this is not a good look for a party that's uh, heading towards a federal election probably in May. Yeah, more sad news coming out of there. The next topic, of course, is not a passing as such, but we're going to talk about inflation. And we've seen grocery prices going up as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. A lot of people not happy that they have to pay more for their regular groceries. Now, how will the government react to this ahead of the budget? Yeah, we have the budget next week and the, and the election, as I mentioned, in May. And you would not believe the cost of things here, Adrian. I spent a lot of time in Singapore, as you know, almost two decades, uh, you know, working there, earning money. Came back to Australia a couple of years ago. And the way prices have gone up, not just with um, groceries, but with fresh fruit and vegetables, you know, paying $10 a kilogram for broccoli, for example. And now petrol is over, well over $2 a litre with the Australian and Singapore dollar being similar in value. Uh, so it's actually more expensive to buy petrol in Australia now than it was when I lived in, in Singapore. So there is speculation that the government may cut the fuel excise of 44 cents per litre ahead of that uh, federal election. You know, But you know, living in Singapore, I think in many ways it's easier to save money because taxes are low and the housing is provided quite cheaply through HDBs. Here, housing is going through the roof. There's no HDB system in Australia. And now prices of groceries are going through the roof with uh, wages pretty much stagnant. So we have unemployment around 4%, which is good. But so many Australians are struggling. And just giving you an example of how bad things are when it comes to petrol prices. There's an independent owner of two petrol stations on the south side of Brisbane, where I am. 
And in the last week, he's had 18 people drive off without paying for their petrol at a cost of $2,000. And that is very, very hard for him to get back. So that's where Australians are at the moment. It is so hard to make ends meet. And unlike Singaporeans, not many of them are putting money away for a rainy day. They're not very good savers in Australia. So they're living paycheck to paycheck. And that paycheck is not going very far. Yeah, everyone keeps saying that costs are rising everywhere else except salaries. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist, all the way out in Brisbane, getting the latest headlines from Australia. More on the federal election, Jason. The South Australian election defeat for the Liberal National Party. It spells trouble for Prime Minister Scott Morrison. How has he reacted to this and what does he plan to do to overcome this? Well, he has to do something you know, pretty dramatic because we saw the uh, premier of South Australia, Peter Marshall, being defeated by Peter Malinowskis, who's a, I guess he's got a European background. He used to work at Woolies, the Woolworths uh, supermarket, you know, stacking shelves. He's only young. He's in his early 40s. He's the 47th premier of the state of South Australia, where Adelaide is. He's been sworn in. And that's after a, a real rout for the Liberal National Party in South Australia. That's the same party as Scott Morrison. And I think the LNP, as they're called here, a bit defensive about what happened over the weekend in South Australia because they're saying, well, it's a state election, it's not the same, and, you know, there was a very negative campaign. I think part of the problem was for Premier Marshall why he was defeated was because of opening up South Australia too quickly with uh, COVID-19, the Omicron variant, uh, you know, really making a lot of damage there. So that was perhaps the reason why he lost. But it does send a very clear signal because Labor won here very convincingly, a lot more convincingly than everyone thought in South Australia. So watch out. How does this impact the uh, federal election? That's the big question. We've only got just a couple of months before we do have that uh, national poll for Australia and whether Scott Morrison can fight off the challenge of Anthony Albanese for the Labour Party. Yeah, not long to go. Let's see how Scott Morrison fares in that election. Certainly going to be an interesting one. COVID-19 still there, you know, two years later. The Omicron cases have surged in Queensland schools. Jason, what's everyone saying about this? How are they reacting? How are they preparing themselves for maybe another wave? Well, this is something I'm pretty worried about being a father of a, a girl who's in her first year of high school. COVID cases in Queensland still climbing with almost 10,500 reported in the past day alone. That's mostly because of this more transmissible BA2 subvariant of Omicron has become the dominant Omicron strain, probably like uh, much of Singapore and Southeast Asia. We had seven COVID-related deaths yesterday. 252 people are in hospital. It looks something like a 15 to 20% rise in COVID-19 cases in a week. And mask mandates are coming back to some uh, schools across uh, Queensland. And, and it's a similar story in other states of Australia as well. Big concern for those in Queensland, the COVID vaccination rate among 5 to 11-year-olds is only at 43.15%, and that makes uh, kids very vulnerable to not potentially getting maybe very serious illness, but having an illness that will rule them out of school for some time. Just looking at the state's vaccine rollout, first dose, 93.28%, second dose at 91.49%. So that's not too bad, but it's more the kids that we're really, really worried about. Yeah, it certainly is a worry. Singapore also has a very high vaccination rate. 
Let's see if more measures will be eased in the months to come. Before I let you go, Jason, tell us a little bit about your trip to the West End market in Brisbane. We know that the city is recovering from flood damage. There was a lot of rain the last time we talked at the push to get um, tourists to return to Queensland. Yeah, let me tell you about that push first up. You know, Prime Minister Scott Morrison was actually in Cairns earlier this week talking about a $60 million funding boost to entice international visitors back to Australia. And I know Kim and my friends at uh, Queensland Tourism in Singapore in Novena would be very, very happy about this because it's been a dire couple of years for the state of Queensland, but particularly the tropical north, you know, the far north. We've got the Great Barrier Reef, the World Heritage listed rainforest. So we're hoping that this massive boost to tourism will entice people from Singapore and elsewhere back into the Queensland uh, state, which is where I live, the Sunshine State. You know, Tourism Tropical North Queensland says 9,000 jobs in the region have been lost since the pandemic began. So they're hoping that the $60 million boost will be a big help in the recovery effort. Now, where I am closer to home, you know, Brisbane's still recovering from the floods that we had recently. But I was back at the West End Market on the banks of the Brisbane River just the other day. And this is a fantastic market that any Singaporean should get to. West End Davies Park Market. It's very eclectic. There's music. And, you know, it's sort of inner city. So it has that grungy kind of feel. But, you know, great bargains, whether you want to get fruit and vegetables. I spoke about how expensive things are but you can get a coffee you can get turkish food thai food uh, all sorts of things i've got these passion fruits there adrian that was so so good they're from the sunshine coast so i just had those passion fruits in my porridge my western porridge not the porridge you eat in singapore for breakfast today so delicious so that's the thing good to go queensland come back to the sunshine state now it's a lot easier to travel from singapore to australia and specifically where i am the sunshine state of queensland Yep, let's hope that push goes well. And Jason, wish you all the best and your daughter, the safety of your family uh, during this incredibly tough time. We're still waiting for you to come back to Singapore. Let's hope that's sometime in the near future. Oh, I can't wait to get back, Adrian. You know, we were hoping that 2022 would be a better year uh, for Australia, but it's been probably more challenging than 2021. I think 2020 was the toughest, but 2022, we're only three and a half months in, it's been pretty difficult. It certainly has. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist based in Brisbane, getting the latest headlines from Australia. Thank you so much for your time, Jason, and I hope you have a great rest of the week. Thank you, Adrian, and thank you to all the listeners. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.